You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning. You guys are so quiet this morning. What's the deal? Are you ready to worship with us this morning? Oh, come on. Come on. Are you glad to be here today? You glad to have breath in your lungs? Glad to be able to give praise to the Lord here. You got things to be thankful for. You got blessings in your life. I hope so, because that's what we're going to do this morning. But before we do, I want you to stand up, stretch your legs just for a second, find somebody around you, say hello, and we'll begin. My name is Kevin Gallimore. I'm the community pastor here and uh, help to lead the life groups. And, um, and so I'm just, on behalf of the church, I just want to say thank you for being here we're excited to worship with you together. There was a team of about 20 of us that uh, just got back from Nairobi, Kenya on a mission trip to serve with Missions of Hope International. You might see some blue shirts with a dove. It says Mohi. Uh, we were blessed to work alongside them and, and just to serve them. And as a result, we're very encouraged. And so if you see some people in blue shirts this morning during worship just spontaneously combust, it's because they're so on fire for God. You're going to hear more about that trip in, in a couple of weeks, uh, but don't hesitate to go up to these folks and ask them to tell you some stories because some amazing things happen. We had uh, a group of ladies just get back from Cofredia, Mexico, who served those ladies there in that village that we've had a partnership for years and years. And uh, this week, this weekend, we had a lot of ladies go to a, a ladies retreat, the Renew Retreat, and um, and so they're missing here this morning, but they're worshiping alongside us and all creation here today. Um, so a lot of exciting stories, I'm sure, are going to come back from there as well. If you're a guest here, uh, we're just grateful to have you and that you're worshiping with us this morning. Make sure you stop by the desk, the welcome desk, on the way out today, and get a free gift from us just to show our appreciation for you being here with us. We want to give you something that you can take home and. Uh, I'm just excited to worship with you this morning. So let's stand and prepare our hearts for worship this morning. Amen. Amen. Do you believe there's power in the name of Jesus? There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's transformation in the name of Jesus. Amen. We get to experience it in our lives every day. and We're going to get to witness it in another believer here today. So sit down and direct your attention to the baptistry. It's a privilege, once again, uh, to take part in this special moment um, as a follower of Jesus goes public with his faith. Steve, if you would repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. My personal Lord and Savior. My personal Lord and Savior. Upon this confession, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. You're right. <laughs>
McKenzie's painting a lot of things that we do in the student ministry. And I've watched as God's kind of taken a hold of her. Uh, we've done mission trips together. I've watched her serve the kingdom in a few different ways. And so now, as her faith has grown, she would like to publicly confess that for all of you and her family and friends today. So we're here So McKenzie, we were Catholic and I believe that Jesus is Christ, Son of the Living God. My confession, Mackenzie, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So awesome. So awesome to celebrate that together. But this time we're going to prepare for our offering time. Shane. Good morning. I'm Shane Reeves. I'm one of the elders here at Cypher Christian Church. This time we kind of come to, you know, talk about our offering and just to give you an idea of, you know, kind of what we're doing this for. My, uh, not a really good public speaker, but uh, my uh, youngest brother has an uh, uncanny knack of giving weird Christmas presents. It's kind of like his idea of the ugly tie Christmas present. But the one I got this year was actually uh, pretty cool is um, if you've ever heard about the widow's mite. Um, when I was younger, I thought that might have been you know kind of a superpower or something. I'm kind of a superhero nerd. But anyway, the widow's mite is just this little tiny coin and it talks about how she gave two of these and that's all she had in, uh, in, in life at that point. So it just kind of brought me back as far as um, what we think about as far as giving. Where does that come from? Um, where does it? Where where does the the giving come from? From our heart, what is it? Is it the amount? Is it the how much you give? No, it's not really all of that. It's basically where where is that gift coming from? Is it coming from your heart? Is it coming from? It's it shouldn't be coming from a place of guilt or or shame. It's basically that God has given us everything. So out of our gratitude to him, that's where our gift should be coming from. Um, just kind of, you know, took me back as, I mean, that little coin like that, um, when I drive around in my truck during the day, um, it's, uh, I've got, you know, a hundred times that in a little change thing in my, you know, console. Or when you check out from the uh, grocery store, if the couple of pennies are left behind in the little tray, you know, you just leave it behind. So, you know, with that in mind, just uh, kind of uh, take, a, take a look at your, your own heart as to you know, what you should give and where that gift should be coming from. I uh, just want to pray for us right now. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the gifts that you've given to us. We know that you know, everything is yours. Everything is a gift from you. We just hope and pray that the, that the gifts that we give back to you um, honor you. We just pray that it does come from a, a place of humility, a place from, of gratitude. We just pray that uh, you allow us to give um, sacrificially, um, like the widow in the story that uh, Jesus told us. Just pray that you uh, take these gifts and you use them to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So good to... See you guys this morning. It's been an incredible service already as we've worshiped 
as we've witnessed um, baptism. What a blessing um, to see um, God at work in the lives of his people. This morning, I don't know if there's anyone present who might have come from the retreat directly to here, um, but we had 45 women uh, at a women's retreat this weekend. That's quite a few people. And, um, and so you, you can kind of notice their absence today. But um, I've already got report that it was a fantastic time. And um, they had a great time at Trinity Pines up in East Texas. Today we're going to focus in on Acts 16. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. And we're going to see our God pursue a relationship with three very, very different people. Um, Today, we all come into this place from a wide variety of backgrounds. Um, We all um, come into this place having been raised a little differently because we all, most of us have different parents. Some of us raised attending church. Some of us raised not attending church. A wide variety of denominational backgrounds. Some raised very poor. Some raised very rich. Um, Some maybe the first in their family to have a college degree. And some maybe their grandparents had earned college degrees. All very, very different backgrounds. There's one thing I can guarantee beyond a shadow of a doubt. God is longing to have a relationship with each and every one of us. God goes um, to great effort um, that people might hear the good news. Let's just look at a passage, look at a passage and Last week, we heard Chad Clarkston speak. He did an incredible job. And today, we're going to launch into several stories beginning in Acts 16, verse 6. This is um, the Apostle Paul, Silas, and Timothy. The Apostle Paul, Silas, and Timothy. This is Paul's second um, missionary journey. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the middle of the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I want to launch out from the very beginning with a principle. The path God has you on is often not the most direct route to your destination. The path God has you on is often, often 
not the most direct route to your destination. I've experienced this in my own life on multiple occasions. Maybe you've experienced it in your life. You've sensed God calling you to do something. Maybe you've sensed God calling you somewhere. We all know that God is seeking, he's desiring for us to walk with him, to trust him, to depend on him. That's a given in our relationship with Christ. But we also know that God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. So I wanna throw a map up here on the screen. I want us to look at this map. So what you have, you see Asia, you should be able to see that. And you see Galatia. I don't know if you can um, see Lycia or Lycia in the bottom, but that red mark is indicative of their missionary route. So you see it weaving through the bottom of Galatia and then they go into Asia. And so right off the bat, we say that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So even though they're in Asia, they're not allowed to preach the gospel, all right? So initially, they felt like God's destination for them, God's plan for them was to preach the gospel in Asia. But God says no, the Holy Spirit says no. So then they start heading north because the next logical place for them to preach the gospel is Bithynia. All right, do y'all see Bithynia? The yellow, hopefully you can see that. You need to go to the eye doctor if you can't. Now, the, the little towns, don't worry about, but the big words you should be able to see. Now, as they go up the border of Asia, there is a place called Mysia that's not on your map. The logical thing for them to do would to be go over into Bithynia, cross the border there that's called Mysia, and go down a Roman road to all the critical coastal cities because they were major ports and major cities and they would have made great impact preaching the gospel. But the spirit of Jesus says no. So this is the second time they've been told no. And if you see their route, when they entered the red country of Asia, they could have gone directly to Troas on the coast and saved a lot of time. Can you see that? There's actually a circuitous route. They go way out of their way. They've been told no once. They've been told no again. And now they're at Troas. By the way, I'll let you look at it later, but what we find here is the we passages in Acts 16 began. So we believe Paul and Silas and Timothy meet up with Luke, the author of the book of Acts in Troas. Luke had an affinity, a love for Macedonia. And so a man from Macedonia in a dream with the apostle Paul calls them over. I just want to say a few things about God's plan. They end up in the end at Philippi. 
Second principle, we have a plan to get to our destination. We have a plan to get to our destination. But God often, not sometimes, often interrupts our plan. Why? Why? Because God wants us to trust him. He wants us to depend on him. Very simply, he wants us to listen to him. The Holy Spirit has spoken. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has spoken again. The Holy Spirit has closed doors. And now the Holy Spirit, God has opened a door. I do want to just make this um, statement, a little caveat, a little rabbit trail here. Just because there is an open door or open doors before you does not mean that you need to walk through the open door. Some people believe just because there's an open door, that's obviously God's will. That is not the case. I can tell you that. I've stood before multiple open doors in my life. And yet after praying and seeking God, God did not want me to walk through some of those doors. And you know what? In the book of James, James writes, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men, who pours out wisdom generously to those who ask. God's not trying to wreck our life. God's not trying to hijack our life. I've said it when it applies to stewardship. I've said it when it applies to several other areas. God does not want something from you. God wants something for you. He wants the best for your life. He wants you to be accomplishing the purpose for which he has created you. And that's what he, exactly what he wanted for the Apostle Paul, for Silas, and for Timothy. They end up in Philippi. Philippi did not just hold a special place in Luke's heart. It held a special place in Rome's heart. This is where uh, Mark Anthony and Augustus fought Brutus and Cassius and won the victory in the city of Philippi. Philippi was not subservient to the region's capital. It answered to Rome and Rome alone. And that's why we see some of the things happening in a moment in the city of Philippi. God often leads us one way and then changes direction with us. He did that in William Carey's life, famous missionary. Um, uh, William Carey thought he was going to serve in Polynesia, but God called him to India. Uh, um, Adoniram, man, wouldn't you like to be named Adoniram? Not me. I'll settle for Dale, all right? I'll settle for Roger for that matter. That's my first name that none of you know, right? But Adoniram? Um, So Adoniram, he wanted to go to India, but he ended up in Burma. You had um, a famous missionary, Livingston, right? He wanted 
to go to a Europe area and he ended up in Africa. Maybe you know the story of a couple named Juglard. You remember their story? God was calling them to France. They went to Montreal to learn French. Then they come back from Montreal. That's when I met them. And the opportunity in France that they had focused their heart on closed. The door closed. Then they went to Congo. Congo happened to have French-speaking people. Greg served in a radio station. He used his gifts. Donna served in the hospital there and used her administrative gifts. But God spoke clearly to them. I want you to leave this place. Variety of circumstances resulted in them leaving, but they knew God was closing the door and calling them to leave. They come home to the States. They go through a time of respite and and strengthening and healing from a very challenging ministry. And God opens up a door in Lyon, France. France. The very place that they wanted to go at the beginning after taking this big circular route, they end up at the end. There is no doubt in my mind, it's easier for me to say, easy for me to say, I'm not walking in their shoes, that God did something in them through that circular route. That God did something through them in that circular route that prepared them for the ministry they're in today. Maybe a long time ago, you focused your sights on a particular destination. By the way, don't just think geography, right? Think of maybe a vocation. Think of maybe some God was calling you to do, some ministry, maybe vocational ministry. I don't know what it might be. Don't doubt God's plan just because the path to get there has been very confusing. God says, trust me. Listen to my voice. Dig deep in my word. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted, exalted among the nations. All right, let's dive in this story in Philippi. Three people that we want to focus on. Three people. First of all, the apostle Paul and his missionary team gets to Philippi and there is no synagogue there. Why is there no synagogue? Because there are not 10 Jewish men to form a synagogue. And so they go to the river's edge, which is very common for a group of Jewish worshipers to be near the river. And they find several women there, one of whom is named Lydia. Let's pick up the story in verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Phytara, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. 
Very similar language that we heard a few weeks ago to describe Cornelius. She was not a devout Jew, but she was a God seeker, all right? She's a seller of purple goods. She's a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. She would, that means she would not take no for an answer, okay? She said, you're coming to my house one way or another. But let's back up and think about Lydia. She's a wealthy entrepreneur. She is a wealthy entrepreneur seeking God. But she's in desperate need of Jesus. A few weeks ago, we looked at an influential man, a centurion named Cornelius, a man in need of Jesus. Now we see Lydia. She is a great woman. She is someone you'd love to work with or for. She is someone you would love to have as a neighbor. She might even be someone you'd love to have in your family. But, there's a big but here. She's a believer in God. She's even a believer in the Jewish God, Yahweh God, the one true God. But she is in need of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says... Paul was such an incredible teacher. He was such an incredible expositor. He just made such sense after the word of God that her eyes were opened. Is that what the Bible says? Is it? Come on, Wayne. Is that what the Bible says? It's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says the Lord opened her eyes. Guys, that's a beautiful thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The one teaching is an important instrument, but the one teaching, I cannot open your eyes to truth. I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. Only God can open your eyes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're once in darkness, but now we're in the light. Once we were not the people of God, we were not the special people he called into relationship with himself. Now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, now we have received mercy. We receive that which we did not deserve. A wealthy entrepreneur seeking God. Let's look at the second story. The second story, let's pick it up in verse 18. So every day, this missionary team is going back to the river's edge. They're teaching, they're discipling, they're helping people to grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ and what it means to be a follower and apprentice of Jesus. Well, every day this woman follows them 
and she shouts in a loud voice, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, by the way, don't get carried away. Servants of the most high God, the most high God was used of Zeus as well. All right? What she's saying does not mean her eyes are open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, she's an annoyance to this missionary team. Every day they're walking this road. Verse 18, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, she's possessed, she's in bondage. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now folks, the first woman is a wealthy God seeker. The second woman, a young woman in spiritual bondage. Is that fair to say from what you read? She's in darkness. Oh, Lydia was blind to the gospel and had her eyes open, but this woman is far, far, far from God. You know what? I'm encouraged by that fact. I am encouraged by that fact because it doesn't matter if in Lydia's case, you're near God or is it doesn't matter if in this woman's case possessed, you're far, far, far from God in spiritual bondage. There still is an opportunity for both of these individuals to follow Jesus. It's a beautiful story. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Let's look a little further. The story continues that, and by the way, you have several things at work here. You have several things that this missionary team is battling. Um, they're, they're battling the forces of evil and we see it evident in this woman's life. Um, now they're battling money, profit. It's about to jump out in front of us because this woman was owned, all right? She was a slave to her owners, and by the way, she had the spirit of Pythia is what Luke says. We get the word python snake from the spirit that possesses her. This spirit is associated with the temple of Apollos and this spirit allows people to tell the future, okay? And so these men who own her are extremely upset because they've lost their income. They made a lot of money off of her. And I just wanna say as a side note that anytime the gospel takes root, anytime we see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, there are those who are opposed to God's kingdom. 
who take offense. Drug traffickers take offense to the gospel taking root in people's life. Human traffickers take offense to the gospel taking root in people's lives. Those that take advantage of the poor, they make money by injustice, they take offense to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget, um, this was in, uh, it's north of Humble, I'm trying to think of the name of the place, but bottom line, you can go pick up um, illegal aliens at service stations in different parts of Houston, true? True, many people do. Um, This isn't an uncommon deal, all right? And so these individuals um, went and picked up illegals, right? They don't have rights. Of course, we could debate that all day long, but my point is they can be taken advantage of. And they picked up these people and they brought them to their property and they hired them to clear their property. A whole group of them, several acres, and they cleared the property. The only problem is the people didn't come pick them up. Do you get it? They worked and worked and worked. You say, well, that's their fault. They're illegal. Does that attitude sound like the heart of God for people? I don't think so. I just want to hit close to home a little. You know, just because something is wrong or someone has done something wrong does not mean we take advantage of them because they're on the fringes of society. This woman's on the fringe of society. She is a slave. She's indentured to her master's. And as far as her owners are concerned, Paul and Silas, Paul in particular, has blown it, blown their income. Let's move on quickly. They're beaten with rods, Paul and Silas, all right? They're put in prison. By the way, they take their clothes off before they beat them with rods. Do you think there was some blood? I figure there was. They put them in prison and the jailer, um, by the way, most jailers, because of what had happened, I told you about it at the very beginning in Philippi, most jailers in this area were retired military. They're no longer serving as soldiers, they're serving as jailers. And so Paul and Silas are put in the innermost prison cell and their feet are put in stocks. And they started pitying themselves and they moaned and groaned all night. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says they start worshiping God and praising God and all the prisoners in the prison listen to them. They had a captive audience who were amazed by their response. At midnight, an earthquake occurred. Their shackles fell off. All the prison doors came open. Read it for yourself. 
The jailer comes in, he sees what happened, and he's about to commit suicide. And Paul says, stop, stop. We're all here. It's interesting to me that Paul had influence over all the criminals in the jail cells. I think he had earned their respect. The jailer then says, what must I do to be saved? Be careful, guys. Be careful. Because we quickly want to interpret this from our perspective. Some of you aren't going to like what I have to say here. But what must I do to be saved is equivalent in our life. What do I do to get out of this mess? You see, people who were ill were saved. People who were shipwrecked were saved. This is not a spiritual question initially, just as we get in terrible predicaments and we're desperate people. And that desperation provides a bridge for us to encountering Jesus. N.T. Wright, he says these words. Believe in the Lord Jesus is always the answer to the question of how to be rescued at whatever level and in whatever sense. Paul and Silas address both the very specific question the jailer has asked and the deep, world deep, heart deep, God deep question, which with practiced eye, they can see lies beneath it. He goes on to say that it doesn't matter if you're a scholar or a brand new believer. You can meet a person in their crisis and show them the love of Jesus and encourage them in their challenging predicament and help them often to find the good news of Jesus Christ. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. And it was. And they were baptized. And that night, most likely going out to the well, he bathes Paul and Silas's wounds And he brings them into his house and feeds them. There's more to the story, but we'll stop there. We'll stop there. There's a final principle I want you to see. We've seen three people. We've seen a wealthy seeker of God. We've seen a young woman in spiritual bondage. Now we see this jailer, a man at the end of his rope. Wouldn't you agree with that? He's ready to take his life. No matter who you are, who you are in this place today. Next slide. No matter who you are, a wealthy entrepreneur seeking God, a young woman in spiritual bondage, 
or a man at the end of his rope. God longs for you to know him. He longs. He longs. I don't know if the man from Macedonia was the jailer. I don't know who he was. I don't think Paul ever found out who he was. Some say it was Luke. But one thing I know for sure, God's plan is perfect. And even though when we think we might be on the wrong path, we might be on the wrong route to our destination, God's plan is always greater than ours. Peter writes these words, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. You know, God's right on time. He's always right on time. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life, that all should reach repentance. What is repentance? It's a change of thinking. It begins here that results in action. Here and results in action. Right now, we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. I'm going to ask those serving communion to come forward at this time. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward at this time. Maybe your life has taken a path that you did not expect. Maybe your life has gone in a direction you would have never chosen. Consider praying this prayer today. A simple confession. You know, Steve said after me, I believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God, my personal Lord and Savior. Would you just tell God today, I trust you, Father. I trust you. I have to tell you, Father, things are not going the way I would have planned, but God, I trust you. Some in our worship service every Sunday lift their hands. That's a sign of surrender, is it not? I surrender. Maybe you're here today and you've never crossed the line of faith. God will meet you right where you are, just as we've seen him do today. We celebrate communion through the bread and through the cup, the bread representing the body of Christ who came to this earth. He came, he lived a perfect life, he died. He shed his blood, the cup representing his blood, so that we might have our eyes open to the good news and follow Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Father, we thank you for this great opportunity. As followers of Jesus, we celebrate at the table of grace
And yet, Father, we acknowledge we struggle. We acknowledge we come to the end of our rope. We acknowledge that we question the path you have us on. We sometimes lose hope of ever reaching the place we thought we would reach someday. Father, help us to pray a simple prayer. I trust you, Father. As we come, as we prepare for communion, may we say, I trust you, Father. For those who are here who have never crossed the line of faith, Father, I pray that they might come and pray with one of the prayer partners and embrace your son as savior and king of their life. Father, we celebrate at the table of grace now. In Jesus' name, amen.